it's again, insulin, insulin spikes are a real issue. Like if you print an eye chart, which I recommend everybody do, and you hang it up somewhere. And then if you were to not that your listeners do, but if you're going to eat a pizza and drink a Coke, you're very likely not going to be able to read the same lines on the eye chart that you did before you had that. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Thank you, Jake, so much for being here today. It's awesome to have you. Thanks for having me, Amory. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to dive in today. You know, you're very passionate about eyesight. Um, and I want to dive in today on how gut health and eyesight are actually related. Yes. So first of all, I have to say I'm a little envious of your topic of gut health because there's so many things that you can address. and my unfortunate little topic of the tiny little eyeballs, most of the issues that people experience with eyesight primarily are a muscle and screen and treatment problem. Like glasses are a terrible idea for your eyesight, but there is definitely a nutritional aspect. If your insulin spikes tend to have a notable negative impact on eyesight that goes all the way to diabetes, where if you're diabetic, you're also myopic. So myopic meaning you're short-sighted and you're short-sighted and you need to wear glasses to correct your distance vision. Okay. So you don't know of any like real direct correlation between gut health and eyesight? It's again, insulin, insulin spikes are a real issue. Like if you print an eye chart, which I recommend everybody do, and you hang it up somewhere. And then if you were to, not that your listeners do, but if you're going to eat a pizza and drink a Coke, you're very likely not going to be able to read the same lines on the eye chart that you did before you had that. So not directly gut, because there's a mechanism directly in the eye. There's two mechanisms directly in the eye that affect your eyesight short-term and long-term. And there's specific mechanisms that will function even if your gut health isn't relatively perfect, you will notice the difference. People that are doing fasting, people that are addressing diet habits, cutting out sugar, generally improving what is also gut health are noting that the eyesight tends to improve, but not enough to just be rid of glasses. Okay. So you talked about um, some of the dietary changes that can help with eyesight, which is really helpful. Um, what changes have you seen with intermittent fasting in eyesight? Um, have there been huge changes associated with that or just minor? What have you seen with that? It's in the range of where like half diopter to a diopter for people that wear glasses, the difference between you being able to see the screen without glasses and not being able to see the screen, a computer screen distance without glasses, amount of difference. So it's notable, especially if the lighting conditions are not ideal. If you're in, if in nice shaded ambient, full spectrum, natural lighting, you're still going to see well, but once you're in, in the artificial lighting that we're in now, it's enough to where the impact will be enough to where you may end up wearing glasses where you wouldn't need them otherwise. 
So talk to me about the lighting that we're under and how that's going to affect eyesight. What specifically about the lighting does that? It's um for one, it's a it's a brightness issue, very simply, but also there's a spectrum issue. So that the a lot of artificial light is really narrow spectrum. Uh, even in similar brightness condition, you see noticeably less well. And the problem with that is if you're working in an office environment or schools even that use these terrible fluorescent lights, your kids end up in a place where they can't see as well as they normally would and they're straining their eyes. You end up squinting if you're working in a shopping mall or in a in an office with that kind of fluorescent lighting that you strain your eyes enough that you end up at the optometrist and then they sell you glasses. And the underlying issue wasn't that you have some weird genetic defect. In that kind of scenario, it was that the lighting persistently is so sub-quality, subpar quality, that the eye strain causes you to eventually wear glasses. And you touched on nutrient deficiencies for a minute. Um, how much do the nutrient deficiencies affect the gut? And what are some of those nutrient deficiencies? I'm sorry, that affect eyesight. Definitely. So a huge ranging topic, right? And, and my, my specialty is eyesight. I, I've been doing this for going on 20 years. I used to have really thick minus five the glasses, now 2020 eyesight and tens of thousands of people that have done this. So I end up in topics that are not my main specialty. And I like to refer to other people that are much more diet focused. Things like vitamin A, for example, that are just really kind of low hanging fruit. If you have those kind of deficiencies, I always recommend get a get a blood panel if you can. Like mineral and vitamin deficiencies, figure out if there's something going on that's underlying, right? Like if you have blood sugar issues also that you want to address, you want to address lighting. The real problem though, core problem is the muscle in your eye. It's called the ciliary muscle that is overly tense when you spend a lot of time in front of screens, especially the closer up the screens are, the more that muscles tense and eventually that muscle spasms. And then you have what's called pseudomyopia. So it's not real nearsightedness, but it's diagnosed as nearsightedness. And then they sell you glasses, which turns into a lifetime subscription at a massive profit to the optometrist. I've heard you mention glasses multiple times that you don't like them. And I've, we've had um, some ophthalmologists on and they have kind of, uh, you know, had the same views. Um, so what, uh, what is it about glasses, um, that is a problem? And I mean, obviously you're not fixing the underlying problem, but why don't you go into that a little bit? Sure. So it's a hundred billion dollar year industry. People don't realize it is immensely profitable. It's a hundred billion dollars a year. A pair of lenses in your glasses wholesale costs two to three dollars to the optometrist. You can open a wholesale account yourself and start buying lenses at two to three dollars, including all the coatings. So whatever you're paying for glasses currently is the average profit margin is five thousand percent. So whenever you go to a retail optometrist, somebody who works in a in a retail environment in a shopping mall, sells you things that they call prescriptions, referring to you as a patient, realize that there is a massive profit motive involved there, right? Like when you sell these things for hundreds of dollars and they cost two bucks, there's not much incentive to tell you muscle spasm, right? So 
these things are symptom treatment and a super short version just for listeners to start to get curious i always recommend google scholar scholar.google.com for clinical studies glasses cause the eyeball to elongate um, there's something called hyperopic to focus where the light focuses behind the retina to a small degree once you start wearing glasses so when your eyesight initially wasn't perfect and you went to the optometrist and then you got glasses and now you had this this 8k amazing vision a year or so into it your eyesight has degraded somewhat to where you want to go back to the optometrist and now you need stronger glasses and it's not that your eyes got worse incidentally literally the treatment causes more of the symptom so jokingly we refer to them as subscriptions not prescriptions because once you put glasses on you're almost certainly going to need stronger ones. And it becomes a cycle of where now you become dependent on the symptom treatment. Yeah, that makes sense. So what do we do about this problem? The first thing is I deal a lot with parents now with kids that used to not be the case 10, 15 years ago, almost at all. It was very in front of screens all day, all day. The screen is, a, a. I always say, not a babysitter, right? iPad, absolutely not. TV distance is fine. Once you're at about 20 feet or six meters, that muscle, the focusing muscle in the eye is relaxed. So the closer you can get to that distance, the less strain you're creating, the less of this muscle spasm happens, the more likely you are to get away with it. If you're currently having eyesight that's, that's not as great as it should be, an eye chart, taking breaks when you can't read the same line on the eye chart anymore, hang it up somewhere where it's easily visible in your workspace, check before you start working or before you start having screen time, and then check periodically while you're doing it. Eventually, you're going to notice more blur than there was before. That's when that muscle starts to lock up. You need a break long enough to where you can read the same lines on the eye chart again. Avoid the optometrist. I go to an ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologists are medical doctors. They're not in shopping malls. They generally don't sell glasses for eye health checkups. But whenever you find yourself squinting or your distance vision is compromised where it wasn't before, it's generally a muscle spasm problem. Sometimes nutritional, right? Like sometimes sleep, sometimes lighting, but most prominently it's a muscle spasm problem. So avoid the optometrist and distance vision is the fix. Like it's not profitable. This is why this is not a, a popular topic because there's no money in saying, get away from the screen for half an hour, spend time looking at a distance, make sure that your distance vision has recovered before you spend more time in front of screens. So many people struggle with bloating, bowel issues, brain fog, fatigue. You might not even have any gut issues, but did you know the cause of it could be food sensitivities or gut infections? What I have done is I have brought a talented functional nutritionist into my practice. We have very similar training in the nutritional world. And her name is Alexis Appleberry. She is awesome. So you can head on over to our website, Alt ALT, FAM, FAM, Med, MED, and have a consultation with her and schedule so that she can help you get to the root cause of your problems. So the problem, you know, and I learned this when I was in school, um, it's overconvergence. So you're basically overconverged and you really need to look out 
on the horizon instead of looking up close where your eyes go down to the screen and almost cross where it's looking, but they're just, they're just more converged here versus looking out. Is that what you're explaining? That's part of it. So those are the extraocular muscles. The closer you look at something, the more the eyes turn inwards, those muscles relax when you're looking at a distance. Then there's also a muscle inside the eye. So there's a lens in the front, like it's a ball. So there's a lens in the front and the retina in the back where the light focuses. And that lens is shaped by something called the ciliary muscle. And the closer you look at something, the tighter that muscle gets to, to shape the lens, to focus the light. Muscle's not designed to be in a super tense mode for hours and hours and hours every day. So once you do that, that muscle gets stuck, muscle spasm. And if you Google Scholar pseudomyopia or near-induced transient myopia, you're going to get tens of thousands of studies that point to the same thing for the last 50 years. So it's really odd when you go to the retail optometrist, they tell you it's mysterious, it's genetic, it's unfixable, and then you get the symptom treatment from them. So what's your advice for parents where their kids actually have to sit in front of these devices and everything has gone virtual nowadays. And so people are in meetings for hours and obviously you can take a break, but what's kind of the advice for somebody that's sitting there for long hours, it's probably going to say, oh, I can't take a break or I don't have time to take a break with my workload or it's not allowed in, in schools. Yeah. Distance is the number one thing. Distance makes a massive difference. I always, I recommend against phones, the screen is tiny. So the point of immersion is much closer, right? Like the smaller screen, the closer you need to hold it to your face for it to feel immersive, the bigger the screen, the further you can get away. So the bigger you can have the screen at a larger distance makes a huge difference. Even if you just think, you know, it's five inches, 10 inches, every inch relaxes that muscle further. So Distance is super critical. And then the other part that this is kind of weird because this used to not be a topic years ago, but because we're so instantly gratified by content on screens, people forget that with, especially for kids, boredom and play is super important, right? Kids recover from, from poor eyesight very, very quickly, and they get worse eyesight very, very quickly. The way they recover easily is because they want to play. Right? So if you, if you limit the screen for, for pacifying them from boredom, they're going to go play and they're going to find other things to do that move that ciliary muscle. Like as long as there's varying distances, the muscle doesn't tend to get stuck. So super important. And if you put them in glasses, your eyesight will get worse very quickly with kids, very dramatically quickly. Interesting. Yeah. And what's the, is it, What's the advice for, say, like other problems like astigmatism? Same advice? In, super rare. Astigmatism is really uncommon in real life, right? Like there's there's something that's that I call lens-induced astigmatism, just like lens-induced myopia. If you look at your correction history, what they call prescriptions, if you started out without any astigmatism correction, so there was no cylinder number in there, and later on you started getting it, then the lens has created that astigmatism because your visual cortex, your, your eyes are not perfect. So the visual cortex tunes out imperfections and works out a clear image for you. 
once you start in, introducing cylinder corrected lenses, the visual cortex compensates for that. And then you end up in a situation where you have astigmatism that you can reverse slowly over time just by reducing the cylinder in your glasses. And do exercises help? I know that there's like holistic ophthalmologists, um, for example. I didn't know if, if that was a helpful tip. It, technically, yes. But practically speaking, it's really difficult to reverse multiple. If you want to get out of glasses or if you want to significantly impact your lens dependence, exercises are, while they technically work, the problem is the habit. If you do an exercise and then you go back to watching Netflix on your phone, you have that muscle spasm again. So my recommendation is habit changes, right? Like no Netflix on the phone, go to an iPad, right? Like from an iPad, go to a projector. You increase that distance. It ends up the same as being an exercise. Watch a foreign film with the subtitles on it where you're challenging your eyesight a little bit at the TV distance equates to how an exercise would work. And there's a lot of stuff called like Bates method. Um, that was an optometrist from hundred years ago that introduced this idea. So eye exercises are really popular, but for a real fix, a long-term, you don't want to be wearing glasses. It's small, but long-term lifestyle changes are much more helpful. Is there anything that we left out that's um, really important to cover? Uh, common, getting more common is presbyopia. So that's when you stop to be able to read things up close starts to happen in your forties when people start having bring reading glasses, really interesting that you can reduce your dependence on those significantly. And I make that recommendation often, just like you don't want to put your kids in glasses because it's going to affect their social interactions. It's going to affect their development. Same thing happens on the opposite end, right? Like now in your forties, if you succumb to reading glasses, instead of making small changes to how you do your close-up work, you start feeling old because you feel like your eyesight is letting you down, right? And that's, I mean, both of us are still way too young for that. I'm not, but right, like I'm, I'm approaching 50. So it's a time where if I go to the optometrist, they're going to try to sell me reading glasses. As soon as you put those on, that muscle doesn't have to work anymore because the, the glasses do the compensating, the lens hardens with age, and now I need those things. So resisting the urge, just in general, resisting the urge to, to allow people to put lenses in front of your eyes is often a great idea. The other kind of trend that's been recent has been um, the, the light blocking glasses from the computer screen. What's your feeling on that? I love those. That's mm-hmm. great. I want to, I want to sell those. <laughs> it's Coke zero. It's, it's the salad at McDonald's. It's, it's the, you know, the low carb yogurt whatever it is, it's you take a product and you identify why people aren't specifically buying it or what they find an issue with it. And then you sprinkle in a magical ingredient, you know, the wonder bread with fortified vitamins. It's that type of thing where the problem is nighttime, too much long ongoing screen use, right? Or in general, too much screen use. The blue light portion, it's an issue. It's it's correctly identified. Like Blue blocking glasses technically reduce some effects that you'll have from ex- ex- extensive screen use, but the problem is a screen use. Like you shouldn't switch from Coke to Coke Zero. You should switch to water, right? Like, and that's a big stretch. But if I'm saying, okay, switch to reading a book, 
you know, even if it's a, if, even if it's an ebook on one of those, those e-ink screens or listen to a podcast at night or get up a bit earlier, go to sleep a little bit earlier, reducing the screen exposure, especially after sunset is, is a much better idea than buying blue blocking glasses and imagining that they address the problem entirely. Yeah. Um, where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Endmyopia.org. I've just been told the other day that it's a terrible website, which is very possibly true since it's been around for the last 10 years and I'm not a web designer. There's 1,200 plus articles on there. We have a huge community. We've got a 25,000 member Facebook group. We've got a fairly large-ish YouTube channel. We've got a big forum. Uh, there's a big global community of people that figured out that life is better without glasses and, and meopia.org links you to all those resources. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.